Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody? Gibbs here with number 458 on the Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. It's Jason Isbell with Southeastern. Southeastern was released June 11th of 2013 on the label of Southeastern and produced by Dave Cobb. This is the fourth studio album by Jason Isbell, who is an American singer-songwriter, and the genre of the album is alternative country and Americana. The title of the album actually didn't stem from Jason being a geography buff, but more of the fact that it was the name of a tool and die shop in Alabama that his dad had worked at when Jason was just a kid. The album, consisting of 12 tracks, debuted at number 23 on the Billboard Top 200 and number 7 on the Top Rock Albums chart, which is kind of confusing to me because the genre of the album has nothing to do with rock, and... If you listen to the album, there's not really a lot of rock ties to it, so I don't get why it was placed on that chart. Maybe it was a slow week in rock and roll. Who knows? Southeastern had Jason stepping away from his normal backup band, which was known as the 400 Unit, and going for more of a solo acoustic album. But then, during the recording of this, he kind of started to grow bored with that idea, and Dave Cobb, the producer, also grew bored of that idea, so they did bring in some members from the 400 unit, which were Chad Gamble and Derry Day Bajora, who appeared on drums and keyboards. Also helping him out on this album was then-fiancé Amanda Shires, who played the fiddle and provided some backing vocals on some of the tracks. The recording of this album would actually wrap up one or two days before their wedding. And Amanda Shires even went on to say that he had to go back the day after the wedding, before they went on their honeymoon, to make some final touches on the album. I find throughout this album that every song manages to tell its own story, but there are two tracks that really stick out and tackle some tough subjects and one of them is called elephant and it focuses upon cancer and really having a friend that's or even a family member that's going through cancer and being beside them during their battle and this song tackles that subject matter and conversations that you have and how you try to avoid just bringing it up and thinking about the cancer and try to move on with your lives but the cancer is always there. Then you get a track like Yvette, which tackles sexual abuse, as it appears in the story that you have him across the street. They seems they he mentions they live on a cul-de-sac, so how he's positioned with this house, I don't know. But he can see into the upstairs, and he sees this girl from his class being abused by her father. And the story progresses as he starts building up anger towards the father and wanting to protect this girl and how he is going to do that. And it's a very strong track. 
And I gotta say, this album does a great job of telling stories. Now, conceptually, I don't think that all these stories are meant to be one big story. I think these are all made to be viewed as separate tracks. But he just does a really good job of really capturing you and your attention and getting you really involved in this story to where you're waiting for that next verse to hear the progression of the story and where the characters end up. Another thing that captures you, if the story isn't, is just the music itself, which is amazing because it's fairly simplistic. Most of the tracks only consist of really an acoustic guitar and his vocals, and occasionally you get a solo or interlude with maybe a fiddle or a steel slide guitar or a regular electric guitar. There are, are only really two tracks, I think, on the album that feature full bands. And that is Stockholm and Super 8, which Super 8 is... It almost doesn't fit on this album, but it's a really good song, as it's kind of a little bit of humor mixed in of a bunch of serious songs, which I guess Super 8 could see seen as serious in its own right, but it's about not wanting to die in a Super 8 motel. And I just found myself chuckling throughout the song because it's just the way he sings about it it gives it a little bit of a humorous side but like I said that is one of two songs on the whole album that feature a full band and still the music tends to capture you as for the most part the acoustic parts are fairly simple as I mentioned but the guitar parts the way they're recorded it was just so mesmerizing to a certain extent because of the way they recorded the guitar, which I'm sure is more of a live recording of that guitar with using the space of the room and using a live amp. You see, a lot of times today when musicians are recording guitar parts for albums and stuff, they're really played with... A clean guitar. Most of the times they're just direct in into the board and they go back and they add the effects later. But this had the feeling of a live amp sitting in a room with the mic maybe sitting back farther away from it to give you that reverb feel because you got that little bit of amp fuzz in there that I just don't think you could really replicate with a computer generated effect. And I just really appreciate the way that they record the guitar because it really adds a whole level of emotion to each song and really captures you into that moment. Admittingly, not being a huge fan of newer country music and where it's at today, I went into this one slightly judgmental as I shouldn't have done, and I thought this was going to be one that would slip down because it's just not going to hold up to the rest of these albums and what is possibly going to make this special. And I was completely wrong. And this was 
a big example of an album that you don't judge until you actually listen to. Because I came away very impressed with his musicianship and his lyrical content. And maybe I'm seeing a little bit now why he was placed on the rock list. Because he does step away from traditional country things that you do as... He's not the stereotypical country songwriter. And I say that because you look through the country genre, and I'm sure there's ones out there that don't follow this, and I'm just stereotyping and lumping a whole genre into one thought, and that's wrong. But I'm going to go ahead and say this anyway. You think of country music today as more of the clean genre. More of the family-oriented genre. They don't really swear in their albums. It feels like a lot of times that they just play it safe in that genre. And Jason Isbell with Southeastern really steps outside of that. And he tackles some tough issues like the cancer and the sexual abuse. And there are expletives on his album... And it probably came with a parental advisory warning because he does say an F word. But it's not an overuse of the swear words and swearing just to swear and fill in space. I feel like he really had to do that to set the emotion of his story. As the tracks that he swears on the most are... The two serious tracks that he is trying to get a certain emotion across. And the only way he felt he could do that is by saying those words. Mainstream country just seems like no matter how mad the artist is or what kind of point they're trying to get across, they do so without using any expletives. So as for album placement on this list and how it ranks against the rest... I recognize that this album hasn't commercially performed probably as well as it should. And I'm saying that because as of 2015, it had still yet to sell 150,000 copies. So, it definitely doesn't blow any numbers like that out of the water. But I also feel like that's in part because... You can't really put a genre on this album. This album wasn't going to get mainstream radio play just because of what it was. Country stations probably didn't play it a lot. It was on the rock chart, but I listened to rock radio and I've never heard any of these songs on it. So it ends up not selling as well. And not getting the recognition that it probably should because it doesn't reach the audiences that some of these other artists get the opportunity to reach. There are a number of hip-hop and even rock groups out there that I know if they release something new it doesn't matter whether it was good or not. It's getting airplay. You're getting to hear that on the radio and sometimes with... Some of these other genres, like something like here that falls in between, it doesn't get that airtime. 
which is definitely valuable if you're trying to sell a lot of your record. You want as many ears on it as possible. And I'm telling you right now, go out and listen to Southeastern because this is a good album and it deserves recognition, which is why I'm keeping it here at 458 for the time being because it checks all the other boxes for me with the exception the album cover looks pretty lame because it's just a black and white photo of Jason Isbell. Had he had done something cool with the artwork maybe that box gets checked as well but i can kind of see why maybe he did do just a black and white photo of himself as he was stepping away from his normal backup band and intending to do a more solo acoustic feeling album other than that it's hard for me to find an album on this list so far that has consistently had track after track tell a good story so that's where I'm at now. Like I said, Southeastern stays at 458. You can always let me know what you think by reaching me through email, therollingreview at yahoo.com. You can go over to Facebook and like the Facebook page by searching at the Rolling Review on Facebook. And also you can try going over to YouTube and searching the Rolling Review as I'm going back and trying to make some videos for all these reviews so you can see things like the album cover and I can keep the list posted up on there and maybe just kind of keep you entertained a little more than just listening to me at least you'd have something to look at too not to worry if you're not a fan of YouTube because I'm going to keep doing these podcasts and keeping ahead because it's going to take me a long time to get caught up to where we are now on YouTube so I'm going to keep doing these on this podcast channel Next time, at 457, we have Sinead O'Connor. I do not want what I haven't got. Till then, I'm Gibbs. This is The Rolling Review. Stay safe and be kind.